Hey, everyone. So don't jump ahead to the music today because I have a very important announcement to make that I'm super excited about. I'm going to be showing up live for my first online event on May 23rd at 7 p.m. Eastern for what I hope will be a first in a long line of future webinars. The title of this inaugural event is Seven Habits of Highly Successful Couples, and you can find out all about it at suzannebanker.com forward slash events. The program will last 90 minutes, approximately 90 minutes, and costs $40. However, if you become a Patreon supporter, you will receive a notification about how to attend this event at a steep discount. Just go to patreon.com forward slash the Suzanne Vanker show. And once you become a member, you'll receive an email with a coupon code that you can use when you sign up for the webinar. Or if you prefer to pay full price and not take that extra step, that's perfectly okay too. The more important thing is this. If you're under the impression that some couples are just luckier than others and thus find marriage easier than you do, you do not want to miss this event. What actually separates couples who are successfully married from those who aren't isn't luck, but habits. These habits result from a mindset that allows these folks to go the distance. And you can cultivate them too. So once again, go to suzannevanker.com forward slash events to learn more about this webinar. And if you want to take an extra step to become a Patreon subscriber of the Suzanne Vanker Show and receive a coupon code that you can use when you sign up for the event, you can do that as well. I can't wait to be with you all live for the first time. So excited. the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value, but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week as we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So you've probably heard that many millennials who are right now between the ages of 27 and 42 and this is also trickling down to Gen Z or somewhat, but millennials are definitely um, leading the pack on this. Say that they're not having kids because of money. That they can't afford it, in other words. And they've said this same thing about marriage. This age group, more than any other, is under the misguided notion that you get your finances settled in life first, and then you get married and have kids. I mean, that that's essentially what they've been told their whole lives anyway. So um, this is not really new. Unfortunately, this is completely backwards. If the goal is to accrue wealth and relationship stability, it is marriage that's going to help them get there. Not avoiding it. With or without debt, marriage will help you get there. Now, this is assuming, of course, that they share finances with each other, with their spouses, once they are married. And there again, that's where many millennials and even some Gen Zers, those who are under 27 years of age, get it wrong. 
This generation mapped out their lives the way our boomer culture taught them to, which is to live independently, live for yourself primarily. The rise of the self became fashionable several decades ago and it hasn't let up. And the result is that young people are increasingly trying to do life alone and it's not working. They were taught to prioritize money and career over love and family. And we now know from the data that this has contributed to their now being both depressed with major mental health problems and broke. According to them, not being able to afford to get married and having kids is by definition broke. The original idea, of course, was that people should wait until they're established financially and professionally before getting married, with the assumption that this was going to put them in a stronger position, both relationally, because they will have found themselves in all that gobbledygook, and financially when they do marry. But the opposite has occurred, in part because of the way people, these folks are living, I should say, prior to settling down with a family. So in other words, you've probably heard this term, DINK, D-I-N-K. It's an acronym for, you know, this is like the acronym generation. Everybody's got to, we, we have to keep, we older people have to keep track of what these acronyms all mean. Although this one has actually been around for several decades. It's not new. It's called dual, it stands for dual income, no kids. And this can refer to whether you're married or not, although typically speaking, it's, you know, you're married and you don't have kids um, and you both work full time. So obviously, obviously that lifestyle, whether you do it before or after you're married and before kids is going to afford you a certain lifestyle that you get used to. And it's not that actually being a dink is bad. It can actually be really great if you use it wisely, i.e. planning for the future as opposed to living high because you could live off that one income, get accustomed to that and save that second one for the day when you're going to be stepping, when someone's going to be stepping out of the workforce, which is most people or back, um, or saving for the future while you're using the other one other income to live on or what have you there just there's just a certain way to do that well the problem is that so many people don't do that they're doing the opposite they're using that dual income to live high and so what is the result of that they're now overwhelmed by financial stress you read about it constantly in the media so far from putting themselves in a better position to get married and have kids, which was the whole argument to begin with, they have now found themselves putting off this milestone altogether. So you know we're having a baby shortage. You know, everything's just taking a back seat, supposedly because of money, which, yes, it's related, but it, it's not that it's inevitable. It's the way you're going about it. So that's just sort of, I want to, that's setting it, this whole conversation I want to have up about something that's much bigger, that's, that's going on, that's much bigger with this generation. 
There was an article in the Wall Street Journal on April 18th entitled, Many Young People Shy Away from Facing Their Finances. And the number one problem this generation is dealing with or is facing is avoidance. Quote, avoidance seems greatest among Gen Zs and millennials, a survey in March by Credit Karma suggests. 28% in each of those generations said they often or always feel a sense of financial disassociation. This is compared with 4% of baby boomers or older Americans, end quote. 28% versus four. So clearly... This, there's this trend that is showing the opposite of what was supposed to happen with putting off marriage and family to, you know, get yourself established and get, you know, have all this money and then you're going to get married and have kids. It just isn't working out that way, which isn't to say it couldn't happen for some, some couples who are very um, committed and disciplined. It can, but as a whole, it's not. The trend is to live high with this dual income. And then they're getting overwhelmed because they're in debt up to their eyeballs and marriage and family seems even further away. And what are they doing? According to this article, they're self soothing by spending more. They just keep spending. They're not facing it. They're, they're avoiding what's really going on. Alexis Howard, 28 year old financial advisor said, quote, people are really just prioritizing happiness. And a lot of folks see happiness in traveling, eating out and eating out, but simultaneously value larger long-term goals like owning a home and retiring with wealth. But of course, those two things can't happen simultaneously. So the entire plan to get situated financially before settling down has backfired because they're just going in circles, getting nowhere. They think they can't afford to get married or have kids. But in reality, they can't afford not to. What do I mean by that? Because it is infinitely easier to get ahead financially with a spouse than it is without one. Let me say that again. It is infinitely easier to get ahead financially with a spouse than it is without one. But again, that's assuming that once you commit, you go all in and pool your finances. If you don't, then you won't make any traction. And unfortunately, many millennials and Gen Zers too, some, I don't have the numbers on, you know, how that breaks down with each generation. They aren't doing this, pooling their finances, because of that same avoidance problem I just talked about. It's as prevalent in their marriages as it is when they're on their own. It's just a massive, massive problem. I see it every week. I see it in people I know personally, and I see it with my coaching clients, and I read about it ad nauseum, and I hear it, you know, I'm a Dave Ramsey listener, and so I, I mean, every day, hours and hours of call-ins, and they're all uh, millennials and Gen Zs, and I, I just can tell you, what it's just foreign 
to so many of these people, um, the concept of sharing your finances because to share them is to go deep. It is to get underneath the surface of what's really going on in your marriage. And that's what I wanted to focus on today. So a Facebook follower of mine alerted me to a new Netflix program called, excuse me, called How to Get Rich. And the host, um, he, he basically interviews or works with both individuals and couples on their finances. But I honed in on this one couple because it was so, it, it, it was, it was reminding me of looking at myself coaching from the outside, talking to people the way he was doing it. And this one couple was so representative of, of the kind of thing I see. So I wanted to play a clip from that um, where the host asks the couple, their names are Amani and Matt, how big of a problem finances is between them. So I want to play that for you right now. Okay, so how big of a problem is finances between you two? Money is how, how this brain works. <laughs> Meaning so, I'm in sales, okay. So if there's a financial problem, it is the root of all evil. She'll come in I here can't yelling. sleep if I'm stressed out about like money. Like, Why? I end up avoiding it, like not wanting to talk about it. Um, and then we end up fighting about it. So I end up avoiding it because I'm literally taking care of him, my two daughters, myself. I have so much expenses. Like... I'm only like 27 years old and I feel like I'm carrying the world on my shoulders. I feel like my finances control me while I'm supposed to be controlling finances. I never know every month like how much really I'm spending. Some months I'm in negative where my expenses are more than the money I'm bringing. That's where I fall, I fall to credit cards. Half of my pay is, you know, commissions and some months it's great, some months it's not. It varies, it goes up and down. Then I just keep using credit cards until the money picks back up and I can even out again. All right, Matthew, I want to hear from you. What are the financial challenges between the two of you? The more money she's made, the less valuable I am. That's a very strong statement. That's, that's how I feel, though. When I was working, I had the freedoms to do, do the things that I wanted to with my own money. Okay, and you were working as what? what was I, I'm an electrical engineer. An electrical engineer? Correct. Okay. And so what changed? When I stopped working, I didn't intentionally say that I'm just going to be the stay-at-home dad. But, I mean, we more and more relied on me being at home. Okay. That sounds like a lot of responsibility. It is. It is. I work harder now than I did when I was an engineer. Oh. And I get less respect and less reward. What does that mean? That I literally have absolutely no decisions in anything to do with money. Like what? What does Nothing. that mean? Nothing. I mean, you name it. I'm working very hard. If you're going to spend something, I don't want to be surprised by it. I want to know what it is and why we're spending it. She, she definitely devalues what I do for the house rather than what I used to do for employment. Do you trust him? <sighs> Financially or? Financially. No, I don't. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, needless to say, there are a thousand things that I and you could pick apart and talk about right now about that 
relationship, but that's not what we're going to do today. <laughs> Obviously, that is a major role reversal and it's a shit show. And that fortunately, it supposedly gets better and as he helps them. But the purpose of my playing that clip for you, the purpose for this episode of what I'm talking about today is that I just want to highlight two things in particular about that exchange. Because it may be extreme because he's at home. He stopped being an electrical engineer because she has a really high paying job. Um, and, um, you know, he's home full time. And that's, that's actually a very small percentage of people. So that's an extreme version. Um, but again, I'm not really talking about, uh, what happens when the woman's the breadwinner today. That's not the point. Two things to highlight on that exchange was the avoidance comment that you heard, which that she said, I just choose to avoid it because it's too painful or whatever she said exactly, which is always going to result in eventual conflict, but it's worse later. It's worse conflict later because now you have built up resentment on top of dealing with the problem itself. So that's one thing is the avoidance comment. Cause that's what we're talking about today is avoidance. And the fact that both spouses use language such as mine and hers rather than ours or mine and his or whatever, his and hers instead of ours. So you have a role reversal combined with separate finances and you have an epic fail. I mean, failure all day long. It is not workable. But again, we're not going to talk about the role reversal piece. I want to hone in on the separate finances thing. When you keep money separate, when you're married, this gives you the illusion of being in control. Like, here's your pot, here's mine. You do whatever you want with yours, and I'll do whatever I want with mine. <clears throat> the illusion of being in control. It will feel like it works. But your marriage is actually out of control. Because you're avoiding the hard conversations we all have to have if we want a successful marriage. And speaking of a successful marriage, don't forget to join me live on May 23rd when I reveal the seven habits of highly successful couples in my first online event. What separates couples who go the distance from those who don't is not luck, but habits. And you can cultivate them too. If you're engaged, soon to be engaged, or newly married and desperate to get your marriage off on the right foot, or if you're super frustrated in your marriage or relationship right now and you really want to turn things around, just go to suzannebanker.com forward slash events to register for this inaugural event. I cannot wait to be with you all in real time. It's a first for me, and I'm just super excited about it. Okay, so back to what I was saying. Avoiding what's going on with your money when you're married is the equivalent of not looking at who you are and who your partner is. I mean, think about that. That's a very different, that's a very big statement. You're not just looking at the money, at the math. When you don't look at the math, that's not really the problem. That's the symptom of not looking at who you are and who your partner is. Because what you prioritize financially, what you spend money on, is a manifestation of what kind of life you want to live, what you value, what's important to you. 
And there's no way to have a successful relationship if you're avoiding having that conversation with your spouse. It's like trying to push a ball down under the water and hold it there. It's always going to come back up. Always, 100% of the time, you can guarantee that it's going to come back up. You can keep the charade up for a while until something big occurs. A layoff, a job change, a move, a renovation, a special needs kid, caring for an in-law, a health issue, or any other big decision that has to be made together from a financial standpoint. At that point, you're going to be forced to the table as a couple. And if you've been avoiding conversations about who you are, what you want, where you're going, what you value, you can guarantee it's going to be World War III. There is just no way to be successfully married and not be financially intimate with each other about your and your partner's relationship with money and what your future goals are. You have to be on the same page or you have to get on the same page. Otherwise, you know, you're really not married at all. You're just kind of roommates spinning your wheels, living separate lives in the same space. And you and I both know if, if you're doing that, that that's showing up in the bedroom. Because financial intimacy will lead to sexual intimacy. If you don't have one, you probably don't have the other. You have to communicate and face the truth about what's happening in your marriage verbally with your spouse, financially, to get to the root of your actual marriage. So the bottom line for millennials and Gen Zers is it's kind of a bigger scale concept. It's not, I want to talk about this avoidance thing um, in, in several different arenas because it's clearly a problem inside of marriages for sure. And again, it's not like that in and of itself is new. It's just that now it's a bona fide trend. There's always been couples who don't communicate about their money, you know, uh, but this is now, um, generational. And it starts with getting married. It starts with putting off the whole getting married and having kids thing, thinking that that's supposed to come after you've got yourself situated. And again, it's not that you can't, and some people have done that successfully if you're utilizing that second income properly prior to having kids. But I, the majority aren't doing that. They're just putting it off with no plan and thinking that they're setting themselves up and they're not. They're doing the exact opposite. They're making it impossible to get married and have kids. Although what's stopping them is this idea that if you have debt, you can't get married, that you have to figure that out first um, before you do that. Um, this is super, super common. But again, going back to what I said before, you're going to make traction with two people working toward that debt and building wealth together when you're sharing finances and communicating about it, then you are, excuse me, on your own. So getting married should not, or sorry, having debt should not stop you from getting married. But that's assuming once again, that once you're married, everything's pooled. You think in terms of we. 
one marriage the thing right it's not you and me being roommates living separate lives it's one and when you throw all that debt and throw all those and throw all that income into the one pot and you communicate together toward a common goal you're going to make traction you're going to have traction you'll never have it otherwise so the whole concept of not getting married because you have debt or because you're not uh, financially sound yet or whatever the argument is just doesn't work. It just doesn't hold water. It's, it's, it's the complete, it's just completely backward. Getting married and sharing finances, because these two things should be one and the same in my book are crucial for financial and relationship success. And the younger generation, and, and of course, I mean this as a trend, not all millennials and Gen Zers, obviously, but as a trend, are going about building a life the wrong way by trying to leverage debt to build wealth. You hear that all the time. And by choosing to prioritize money over marriage and then wondering why they're struggling to get ahead in either of these domains. Not only do I see the struggles of this generation up close every week, it's also in the news on a regular, ba- on a regular basis. I truly believe that marriages today are incredibly fragile because of this. If you're someone who thinks you can't get married or have kids because of money reasons, or that having separate finances makes you safer, I'm here to tell you that you are wrong on both counts, big time. The data is clear on two points in particular, that married people are happier and wealthier than singles, and that married couples who pool their finances are happier and wealthier as well. The median net worth of married couples, 25 to 34, was nearly nine times as much as the median net worth of single households in 2019. And Scott Rick, a marketing professor at the University of Michigan who studies marital finances, says, quote, spouses who don't converge have a much harder time. Those marriages are more fragile and could easily end in divorce. I know that this thinking and this behavior is countercultural. And that's why it works. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Venker show. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to leave us a review as well as share this episode with a friend. As always, you may reach me with any questions or comments at Suzanne at the Suzanne And if you would like to support this podcast, which would be very much appreciated, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash the Suzanne Venker show. Thanks everyone. Have a good week. <laughs>